Hey there, what's going on? You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. My name's Jason Bay. You can call me J-Bay. Appreciate you tuning in today. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, I really believe that outbound sales is a game of odds. And in order to get better results, we have to get better at making decisions on how we decide to communicate with prospects in our cold emails, cold calls, in LinkedIn messages. And I'm on a mission to help people like you. So reps and sales teams turn complete strangers into paying customers. Today, we're talking to... Alex Austin. Alex is a director of global business development at a company called Media Effect. And we're going to be talking about some really cool stuff today. His outbound journey, um, what it takes to really break through the clutter these days when it comes to outbound. And he's going to get pretty tactical around how to actually have uh, the conversations and what to talk about in your messaging. Let's get to the episode. I'm excited for you to listen to the conversation with Alex. I had a really good talk with the dude. Um, a lot of what we talk about is, is a few things. Uh, intent data is you know, pretty big right now. We talk a little bit about intent data. Um, he uses a tool called Outplay, who's been a sponsor of the show. He talks about how he personalizes the uh, outbound experience for the prospect, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if many people really think about the customer experience, or I guess they're not a customer, the user experience, more like it. So what's it like for people to be on the receiving end and what journey do they go through based on how they're interacting with um, you know, the media that you're sharing with them? So are they opening emails or not? And if people open emails, should you treat them differently than people that don't? Should you treat people differently that have you know, direct lines and phone numbers versus don't? People that are on LinkedIn versus are not? And he essentially has this approach where you kind of warm up the prospect with a warm-up sequence first by delivering some value and sharing some content and showing some subject matter expertise and then using outbound more as a way to look at the hand raisers and then go from there. So we talk about a lot of that kind of thing. And then really uh, another big thing that we talk about too that I think you'll be interested in is his journey in how he looks at marketing versus sales. And marketing is really more of a, uh, a prospecting, excuse me, is a little bit more of a marketing activity than is a sales activity. But he talks about this mentality of marketing and it being a giving activity and sales being a taking activity, which I don't fully agree with that sentiment because I think you can do both, but it's really interesting. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. So I'm, I'm always kind of curious how people get into sales. And I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. You have like a lot of different experience doing a, a bunch of different things, but why of all things do you, uh, how, do, how do you end up getting into sales? What's, what's, your, what's the background for you? Uh, so yeah, I used to work in hospitality and before that yeah. I used to do retail. Um, and then fortunately for me, I uh, became a bit more of a consultant. So I was working with a, a company that provided staffing for events that I managed. Um, and then I started working for them in sort of refining their business processes. So out through their payroll and right through to their staffing. Um, and then off the back of that, I then started working with Media Effects um, more as a marketing business development sales consultant. Um, and so that's kind of where I thrive. It's that consultancy side. So I'm very fortunate. I've always fallen more into a marketing role than it is mm. directly with sales. 
Um, so I've not necessarily been sort of target on target earning dominated by that, um, which has been kind of a benefit as also, you know, a failure of its own success. So, um, but yeah, so now, you know, a lot of what I do is focused around sales more than marketing. Um, so I've kind of been nurtured in that direction. Um, yeah. So what do you think about, because I have a, a background in marketing as well, and I, I think it definitely helps to have, you know, kind of both sides, you know, working together, like you said, but um, what do you think is, is prospecting? Do you kind of put it into an outbound? Do you put it in more as a marketing activity done by salespeople <laughs> or, or do you look at it as a sales activity? Like what, what bucket do you put outbound into? I think it's more of a marketing activity done by salespeople. Yeah. I think if you take that approach anyway, so, yeah. cause as soon as you become very salesy with someone, it's, it's a red flag and it's a turn off because people mm. will look and think, well, what are you trying to achieve here? And it would be money. Uh, and that's always kind of a turn off for people. But if you put it in the marketing sense of, I just want to share this with you, I wanted to help you and I want to help you learn and you're giving something and marketing is all about sharing and giving. And um, the sales is about that sort of taking and signing. So, you know, that <laughs> falls into your hand after. I think, you know, and, and that's always been my way through retail and definitely through hospitality was always about um, helping people. And, you know, if you get it cheaper somewhere else, then I would let you know that. And actually people would spend more money with me in my store because yeah. they wanted to support me and who I was. So they're really paying up for that sort of value system. And those values are very much more marketed uh, and they're rewarding in themselves. Where did that come from for you, this kind of giving, you know, mindset? Is that something that you brought into your roles in staffing and hospitality or was that something you had to learn? So I think capabilities and, and abilities, I think abilities you can teach someone. I think capabilities are things you're born with. Um, yeah. So I think I'm inherited through this this lifestyle of volunteering and, and sort of giving back to the community. And that started from a very young age before I could even work. I was volunteering for our local youth council um so you know it's in my nature it's in my blood and that's what gets me up in the morning it's not necessarily money is the first thought it's about what difference i can make in my day um and whether it's fortune or luck or, or whether it's it was intended um i think i've always been quite able to achieve those sort of things in in making changes and then been rewarded by life back in in these sort of successful career journeys i've taken yeah that's interesting the, cause the household that I grew up in, my, my dad was very much, very big into volunteering. He coached all of our sports teams and he stayed in little league, the baseball, like volunteer umpiring after we were no longer in little league, you know what I mean? And then volunteering to be on these boards for like youth basketball and that sort of stuff. So if I'm hearing you correctly, this, I love the difference between capability and ability. There's certain inherent things, it sounds like, for you that allow you to kind of bring this giver's you know, mindset. So if we play devil's advocate, at what point is it okay to ask and to take? How do you kind of balance the you know, kind of paradox, I guess, of, of giving and taking? Well, I think you've got to understand your audience or, or whoever yeah. it is that, that you're speaking to. So the idea of um, giving as much and not taking as much back has always been that first thought of mine and that reluctance of, uh, you know, life is rewarding in itself. Uh, and I'm a firm believer of that. Um, and, and whether it's a myth or not, I think it's that approach is 
if I'm only approaching from that giving perspective, you're more likely to give back to me. So inadvertently, I am taking. Um, and that's kind of the background thoughts, maybe always, because you never do something for somebody else. You do it for your own feeling of being happy. You know, those own endorphins that you give off is why you actually do it. There's no such thing as doing it for somebody else. Um, so if you always remember that in the back of your head, it comes across like I was doing it for you. But in reality, I was doing it for myself. Um, so just recognizing that and then channeling that in the right way. Um, you know, it, it's never a case of I'm going to give you so much. And if you don't give anything back, then I'm going to stop giving because I don't compare myself to you. I compare myself to myself. So I, I will always do what makes me happy. Um, and, and that's it, really. How do you how do you find that from an outbound standpoint? How do you kind of balance those things just with the people? Because the clients that work with you guys, I'm sure, want like they want a specific result. And obviously that result has to be, you know, hey, we're getting meetings from this. We're closing deals, that sort of stuff. How do you balance that with your client? Do you talk to them about that, by the way, just the mindset behind the approach that you guys are using? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, yeah. you're always looking for the pain points of the market as a whole and then the target accounts or prospects that you're going for. Um, so you really got to look and think, well, what are their pain points? And then put in yourself in that understanding from the things that you've learned, depending on, on whatever your offering is. Um, and then targeting that. So it is a very much more sort of strategic approach as opposed to saying hospitality, it's it's just a vast, you deal with something as it's in front of you or as you see it. And, you know, someone drops a fork, you get them a new one and you're reacting. Mm. Whereas in sort of sales or specifically in cybersecurity, you're finding those that are struggling in certain areas and then you're sort of targeting your approach in that direction. Um, so yeah, that's, and discussing it with them is always about working with the marketing and sales teams in how can I share the giving, so the information that a company produces to that specific market who will then come back at you asking those questions, wanting those meetings, and hopefully then converting into some sort of opportunity. Got it. So the clients that you're mostly working with, it sounds like come from cybersecurity. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that because the, I think this is a really good example of you know, a lot of reps that I work with that sell cybersecurity, they, they try to leverage scare tactics. So they try mm -hmm. to say stuff like, basically, we had this client who didn't know this thing about what they should be protecting. And because they didn't know that, they lost all of their data. And they try to use these you know, tactics to really scare the person into meeting with them. What, what, is your, what are your thoughts on that approach? I think you could only share um, a lot of the most compelling stories will be the the scary ones. So companies lose data or, or other people have accessed, you know, mm -hmm. specific data that you don't want to be shared. Um, and then that data that breaks data protection and laws that companies are supposed to follow. So that is a big thing, you know, and ultimately that is the end worst case scenario, those vulnerabilities. So you know, that's not necessarily my first go-to approach. My first go-to approach is, do you know about this subject? And do you know about this topic matter? But in yeah. that sort of um, journey that you're nurturing your prospect down, you know, you are guiding them to, you don't want to end up like this person. And if they had had this solution, this could or would have prevented it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's always about um, making them aware of the worst case scenario, but not going, this could happen to you if you don't use my solution because there's many other sort of alternatives to that. Um, so it's really a case of what makes you different to the market. It's very saturated. Um, so it's specifically in MDR, which is managed detection and response. There's a, there's a lot of 
partners and a lot of um, offerings in that. So you really want to stand out about how you can go above and beyond you know, helping your customers. So if we kind of uh, zoom out uh, again, it sounds like the approach that you're recommending is how do I, how do I sort of educate and provide insights first? Is that, so is the first yeah. conversation you might have with someone, uh, maybe an email that you send them that's got some sort of helpful resource. Hey, did you know about this, you know, kind of thing? Can you kind of walk us through just kind of high level? How do, how do you think about the approach? From so you've got to understand is, do, do they know about this or do they not? So this, is this a new offering, something like third-party risk management is only prominent in the last sort of five or 10 years. So a lot of companies aren't even aware of that, but there are some that are. So you don't want to start your approach with, here's this solution and tell them all about it if someone already knew it. And likewise is, you don't want to start talking about a subject to someone who has never heard of it before. So you want to gain that understanding initially. Um, and then you're selling the solution, right? You're not selling them um, an ideological world. You're just selling them what you can do to help and how that can impact their life or impact them at their company and support them in their role and make an impactful change as we all are trying to make these changes. How can you support them in their journey within that company um, and therefore save them from potential you know, security issues in the future? So it's not saying is this could happen to you if you don't do that but we worked with this company and this hasn't happened to them. So you're talking about the positive side of that scary story as opposed to the negative side of it. Got it. That's and that's the solution I, you're selling. Yeah, something that, you know, because there's a lot of talk about loss aversion with messaging. And mm -hmm. I think you brought up a good point there that it, there's really a balance in the approach. You could talk about what people stand to lose, but you can also talk about what they stand to gain. And I, I feel like people tend to be very binary about that. They only talk about one or the other. What mm -hmm. I hear reps say sometimes is, you know, I don't like to be negative. So I talk about the positive things and you're kind of missing out on all of the people that might respond more to the loss aversion and mm -hmm. what they could lose. And on the flip side of that, if you only talk about loss aversion, you're kind of turning away all of those people that want to know more about what they stand to gain. Do you think that like with prospects, well, what do you think of that actually first? Like, do you tend to lean more one way or the other? Is it a balance that you, how do you think about talking about, you know, pain versus gain? So I think, you know, it's the decision-making cycle is the first step is always information research, right? So people are looking yeah. to gain information. The second step is always information evaluation. And you kind of want to do that for them and therefore nurture them in your direction. So sharing that evaluation of, of what the information you're sharing means and looking at it from that, you know, negative or positive mindset, but also um, comparing it within the market and, and sort of what other solutions are on offer without backlashing anybody else because that never puts you in a good light, uh, but just sharing what you do differently. Um, and, and that's it. It's always playing that devil's advocate. So you're not saying choose me and this is why. This is going, this issue in the market exists and this is how we help solve it. It's up to you who you choose, but this information is necessary to your life. And for that, that value of sharing that information is much more worthwhile to somebody than going, this is all about us and this is all about our solution. You're just talking yeah. about the market. And then they're going to go, oh, okay, so this person's sharing some honest, valuable information for me. So actually, I'm going to ask this person because I'm starting to trust them more information about it. And opening up that channel, you know, leads to a, a world of success. Um, and, you know, the idea, obviously, we want people to come opportunities. You know, that's, that's always the main game within sales. 
But then second to that is just brand awareness, I've always found, and just making people aware of who you are and what you do. When they come to making that decision later, and it may be this year or next, they'll remember this, they'll be aware of that, and then they'll come back to you. So that's always the best second case scenario. So are you going through that buyer's journey in your sequence then, your outbound sequence, where the first email you're thinking, how can I just create awareness around this and educate around the marketplace and what's going on? Yeah, can I see you nodding? So, like for those listening, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, like, how do you how do you think about telling the story through your sequence? And if we could even backtrack a little bit, you know, how do you think about the sequence and the number of touches and the tools you use? And then maybe we kind of dig into how the message progresses across that sequence. But how how do you think about what channels you decide to use? How often do you reach out to someone? How do you think about all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, I think they're, they're various sequences and, and you can, you can there's, there's companies like Outplay, for example, and you can automate a lot of this. So depending on somebody's uh, activity within your, your sequences can depend on whether they leave that sequence and go to something that's a bit more cool or, or manual touch point focused and whether you want to put more manual emails in. Because if somebody's showing interest in your emails by opening and clicking or visiting your website, you may want to show a bit more interest back in that person by writing a more manual email or using a template and then amending it to, to their company to show you've done that research. And that can really pay off. You don't want to do that with everybody. So anybody that's not showing that level of activity can continue on in a sequence. So, and it's, it's, it's between a marketing journey. So going from a soft asset to something a bit more stronger, like an invite, then looking to see if they attend something in person or an online event. And that's kind of giving them more stronger score, we call it. But also at that same point, finding out their decision making journey and then knowing when to target them best. So here's a bit of information. Here's a bit of evaluation. And if you're still not replied, I kind of want to find out what decision making part you're in. And if you do know about it, if you don't. And that then will eventually lead you to some sort of divorce message, we call it. And going, I, I clearly understand this isn't the right time. You've not replied to anything. But is this of interest to you and you're just too busy and you would like some more information and you just want some updates from me, which is always a good outcome? Or is it that actually this isn't relevant to you at all? I should be speaking to somebody else or, you know, this is something you've already got and you're working with a competitor and that's not what you've replied. So at least I can establish, OK, we're with a competitor. So I want to use maybe in the future something a bit more battle cardy and comparative. So they are aware of the solution. I know they've done a lot of evaluation before, hence why they've gone with a competitor. So, you know, I'm aware. Whereas if this person goes, no, this isn't right for me. I'm really busy right now, but I'd like some information. And maybe they are just doing that research and, and they're starting to gain that information. So the more you share eventually, you know, ideally they'd come back and say, well, great, now I'm ready to, to look into this further. Um, and then open that sort of meeting demo discussion with you at a later stage. Okay, so if we backtrack a bit, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're using Outplay in that first sequence. Is that more just I'm sharing information and I just want to see who opens emails and clicks on links? Do you use link tracking too? Yeah, so I mean, I, I multi-channel sequences. So I always use LinkedIn um, as well as messaging and calls in a first sort of outbound sequence. Um, so, and then it's prioritizations from there. 
So you upload something like 500 prospects, for example, you know, your first step is I always double check. So the, I always double check on the first step to see if they are someone I need to be targeting, if the filters are applied correctly, because there's always anomalies. Um, and then I'll always send something like a LinkedIn, either an invite to connect or some sort of follow. And it's just a soft touch. So it's like Alex followed me on LinkedIn. Well, who's Alex? I'm going to go and search that person. Who's media effect? And what do media effect do? So that's always kind of they're aware of my name almost. Um, or it's an invite to connect and then send an email which is an information thing I wanted to share with you um, and then a second email is more around sort of an invite or, or some sort of harder asset maybe an infographic and they've got to be a bit more interactive um, or it links them back to the website and then you can track that activity um, and then the third step tends to be around a call but all the way along those that have shown the highest level of activity have received that call step first and if they've answered then great I find out what I can do if they've not they just continue in the sequence and they receive those additional touch points and then they go into different sequences depending on on what's happened in that first sequence yeah so a theme here I call it uh following the engagement you know not treating prospects equally like look for the hand raisers kind of thing you're saying hey if I have a list of people correct me if I'm wrong uh that I'm reaching out to I'm going to put emails out, phone calls, LinkedIn touches, et cetera, just to see who's willing to engage with me and who's consuming the content. And then once I figure out who's doing that, that's where I double down on the people and I use Outplay to provide some sort of personal, more personalized journey for this person where I'm going to treat people differently than engage with my staff versus people that don't. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know if you're looking to um, build up businesses from a startup or, or thereabouts, then that will require more of a, a manual, more of a focused sequence. There are some companies who are a bit more established, and and they can go off just sending fully automated sequences out. That then prospects build up a score depending on their level of engagement, and then you only need to really speak to those that show interest back to you. Um, and ideally, they'll put in some sort of demo request link in there and things alike. Um, so yeah, the, there are those two focuses is, do I wait for someone to show interest to me and then I, I target and contact them? Or do I want to target through everybody because I'll find somebody in that list? It's just prioritizing if you're going to go for, for option B. Got it. Do you guys use chat also? Use? Chat. In, as in online chat functions? Yeah. So if the person goes back to the website, for example, Will the rep then engage them through chat or will some sort of chat thing pop up if people are clicking on the links back to the website? Yeah, so uh, within Outplane specific, uh, one of many, but um, you know, there's the website activity, so you can track which pages they view and how long they spend on those pages. And then you can also integrate the, the built-in chat function with them. Or if you've got something like Pipedrive, they have a variation, which is more of an automated bot tool. Uh, but I definitely yeah. find the chat function in Outplay a little bit better. Um, the only thing is you've got to find to see if they're online, if they don't message you first, if they message you first, then great, it will pop up on your screen and you can reply and react. Um, but what you can do is if you see they start opening and clicking your emails, what's also good is I'll see that task and then I'll check to see if they're online on the website and I can message them on the chat function and say, yeah. you know, hi, Jason, uh, I noticed that you're, you're on our website and I just thought I sent an email the other day, just wanted to check to make sure that you received it or something. And then it's very personable, right? You know that this isn't yeah. a bot now. It's, it's very, you know, how's your Tuesday, yeah. how's your Wednesday? You can throw these things in. You know, people reply back to that saying, no, I did see your email. I'm just really busy. Call me Friday, you know, and then great. You know, that just something small as that can change someone going from a non-responder 
to an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask you if you had any guy, cause I've never done chat before, um, in a, as part of the outbound, you know, outreach. So you just, you're just pretty straight up. Hey, I see you're on the website. I sent a couple emails back to you. It looks like you didn't get a chance to respond to you. Did you get it? How's your Tuesday going? Yeah, basically just lie and just fresh. Kinda, try different yeah. things that work for your audience, right? Yeah. So I, I know in cybersecurity, it's much more of a direct approach. And, you know, what are you trying to sell me or what are you trying to get to? And that's kind of cut the crap approach. But I know in, in markets like retail, for example, it's very much more um, blasé. It's much more open. So you can say, hey, how are you? You know, how was your Christmas or how was this? And you can have a bit more of a conversation and human touches before getting to the point so, you know, find what works and what doesn't work. And you'll send a couple of messages that won't work and you'll get no replies to. So you just know not to use yeah. them again. So is there any other way that you leverage? Because I know intent data is something that you guys think a lot about. Can you, for someone listening to this that might not really know what intent data is, because not all intent data is created equally. Mm -hmm. um, can you just kind of share what is intent data and how do you guys use intent data to, to book meetings? So intent data is a step up from generic data. So you kind of say Zoom info and here's a platform of contact details and people who are registered and, and opted in for their details to be shared. But that's it. That's all you have on these people. So it's a spray and pray approach. Intent data is a little bit more um, specific to signals uh, and therefore that's what intent is uh, on these accounts or prospects. So some companies give you an account level and some give you account and prospect level. So who is specifically doing this research? Um, they can tell you about if there's any more people in the decision-making process, where the company kind of is in their decision-making process, dependent on the asset or resource that they were investigating in. So if they were investigating something quite high level, and it's more of a comparison piece, we know that they're at that information evaluation stage, and they're probably later down the line of the decision-making. Um, but if this is a beginner's guide to X, then you know that this is much more of an information search. Um, and then that allows you to target them in a bit more specific way. Um, it can tell you, depending on the amount of assets that they are researching, what topic or, or solution that would be most fitted to them. And then that will allow you to tailor these sequences specifically to these accounts and thus people um, in order to ideally maximize your outcomes. So, you know, they cost more than paying for something for just data, but then the outcomes are a lot more rewarding if you're able to really nurture them correctly. So what we do find with a lot of companies is they get this data um, and they assume it to be of value to essentially book a meeting. But, you know, if these people are doing information search, it's still an intent data piece, but you need to nurture that appropriately um, and correctly in order to really convert that. So some can take a little bit longer, depends on their decision-making processes. Some can be, I want to do something next week and some could be, I want to do something in six months time. Um, and you've just got to gauge that understanding. If you go in with, let's book a meeting, straight away, they're just going to be like, you just haven't even listened to me or anything that I've got to do or, or want to achieve. You don't yeah. even know my problem yet. You may you may know from this intent side, but the customer doesn't know that you know that. So you need to find out. And it's all about them at the beginning. So is the message then, you're not saying stuff like, I noticed that you're searching for stuff like this. You're not referencing that all. You're speaking to them as if they are in that stage of the buyer's journey that information yeah. gathering stage. Yeah. yeah, and you don't want them, you don't want to say, oh, I noticed you were doing this online because it's very big brother. You know, you want yeah. to start with, um, 
you know, you know that they've been doing something on, say, Solution X. So I would start sending them material around Solution X. And they'd be like, oh, it's funny. I was doing some research on this the other day. And it's like, oh, what a coincidence. And that's the <laughs> whole point. You know, what you know is powerful to you, but it doesn't mean yeah. you need to tell them. You don't be that honest. Um, and again, it's yeah. more of a case of I'm reacting to the information that's been presented to me. But yeah. you're treating them as an individual. It's not like, oh, I've gone to you because you did this. I'm now targeting you with that because that's a red flag. But just going, I just thought I'd share this with you. It's just a coincidental time that, that you're sharing with them. So you're really big. It sounds like the approach and sending over helpful content to yeah. uh, to a prospect. Do you work with any clients that don't create a lot of that content themselves? And if so, yeah. what do you what do you share if the company maybe doesn't have a lot of good stuff to share? So I was having a conversation today about this. You know, it, it, it it's quite heavily reliant sales are on the content that you can share. So if you only have one thirty nine page document on this solution. And that's what we've got to share. It's quite hard to sell that to somebody um, who, who you're wanting to speak to. So there's a lot around engagements through people's websites and filling in those demo request forms. Um, but definitely, you know, back to your marketing team in looking at maximizing your sales approaches. And I just need a two page document or, you know, something quick and easy. It doesn't have to be lengthy and, you know, too difficult. Um, but marketing really do play a key role in, in making sure this is quite successful. And likewise, is they may be doing some even small activities. You want to maximize that out. So if somebody, you know, registered for this webinar of ours and they never attended, I still want to follow up with something meaningful to them that I can, you know, be able to nurture them and guide them back into, into our pipeline. Um, if they don't create any material, then it's left to you. Um, then you are really left to a salesperson sharing their own, you know, thoughts and opinions and then you're going to get variations on that and I wouldn't recommend that you know it, you you want to have a unanimous sort of business approach who are sharing the values of that company um so having marketing sort of nurturing guide that journey internally is is worthwhile what about third-party content in what respect uh just sharing stuff that your company doesn't make yeah and going so, to uh, do, you, do you leverage that at all yeah, I think, you know, there's always news articles of related situations um, that, that do cover, but it, it kind of becomes meaningless if there's nothing direct back to the company that you're not following up with. So one week yeah. you're going to say, I saw this in the news and I thought it'd be relevant to you. And that's a great first starting piece. But then what's your next step? What's your next move? Because then you've got nothing to, you know, we can do trading with a meeting because what do I have to know about you? If, even if I have a problem similar to what you shared from a third party, what do I have to to direct that to you and for you to help me with that if I've not got much to see around it? So if you're then relating them back to the website, you know, ideally there would be these quick snippets on the website that you can even convert into PDFs um, if that's necessary. So, you know, links are, are great for one thing, but having an easy access PDF is, is also great for another. Yeah. Plus you could gather some of those third-party insights into a company article too. Or it's it's branded, it's blissful prospecting, but it's got insights from Bridge Group or HubSpot or LinkedIn or whatever. But it's like it's it's the article that we wrote, which it sounds yeah. like is a pretty important piece to this. Is that people need to see that your company is a thought leader. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really good to use you know third party content as as that information source, but 
as yeah. that evaluation or, or decision side of it, you really want something internal that you can share with, with customers. And whether that's a case study, again, it's the solution that you're selling. It's not necessarily the problem. You know, the third party materials will always share the problem. If you're going to share a third party material on a solution, you're just doing marketing for somebody else and, and that's not going to be beneficial. So you want to sell the solution of, of how you as a company have helped in the market related to that issue that you're sharing about. Got it. So if we focus the conversation a little bit more around account executives, which I don't know if you're seeing a trend of this, but I've definitely seen a trend in the last year where companies are starting to expect that their account executives do more prospecting and -hmm. account executives are doing, wanting to do more outbound because they realize that, Hey, I may not be able to hit my quota with what the BDR team or the SDR team is providing for us. Um, so I think a lot of the challenge then becomes, how do I find time for it is the, is always the thing that I hear. And I'm always like, I doubt your pipeline is so full that you don't have, you know, an hour a day to, to dedicate to this. But I think a lot of it is, you know, how can I be productive with the little time that I do have to do outbound? How do I prioritize? How does, how does this become avoid becoming something that's a majority of the way that I spend my time? What advice do you have for account executives that maybe don't have as much time to prospect, how they can really just get the most out of the time that they spend prospecting. So I think, you know, they, they're already um, sort of held to the, the tools that they have available to them, right? So mm-hmm. if they have something like LinkedIn, or even LinkedIn sales navigator, um, then, you know, that's what you've got to work with. So you really want to sort of target and segment your lists that you've got to, you know, go out for the account-based marketing, finding scoops or information relevant to that account, you know, making it as personal as possible if, if you're at the bare minimum. You know, I, I always talk to, to sort of marketing or even sales leaders, and there's a lot of automation that makes them more productive. So removing a lot of these mundane tasks of sending connection requests or seeing if they have an open email and automating that. So then they're only responding to people who have shown interest and said they'd like to know more information. You know, these messages went out automatically and saved them all that time. And now they're just focusing on people who have said they'd like to know more. And then, you know, that's where I I focus a lot. Um, But that comes from the leaders, from the account executives. They've just got to fully utilize the tools that they have available and thinking, if I've got Salesforce and if I've got uh, LinkedIn, and that's all I've got. So make sure you're using them. So searching in the account, you know, looking up the domain in Salesforce, what intent do we have? Did somebody else from that company do some research recently and they came into our system that way? Did, you know, whatever information you've got available, even if you have Zoom info, there's things like scoops that you can look into or, you know, what specific market are they under doing your sort of verticals? So if they're a financial industry and they're a small business that would be less than 200 employees, if that's who you're targeting, then you want to target your approach to that market. Um, So every message you send out, you want it to be specific to those verticals and then tying those verticals in together. So you're only focusing on really one element of that at a time so you're not mixing and meshing between them because you can get that messaging set up you can whether it's a word document whatever and copying and pasting it in and then sort of you know seeing what the outcomes of that maybe the smaller markets and then working your way up to what your sort of big ideal customers are you want to make sure you've got all your things right by the time you get there so it's really about kind of for lack of a better way of phrasing it cherry picking a bit and looking at hey we're where based on my past success does it make the most amount of sense to spend my time yeah 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 but i think just the the 
times have changed so much, even in the last sort of two years, with tools that are available through automation. And I think that's where, you know, as a leader, you want the most productivity out of your, your account executives. You know, it's, it sits with you. And have you given them all the tools or even, you know, just what you can give them? Have you given it to them? And are you helping them making sure they're using all aspects of that where necessary to their role? So if you've got something like LinkedIn, do they know how to really use LinkedIn effectively? Are they part of groups? Are they sharing content on these groups? And therefore, people can see this and they're aware of who they are. You know, I think that's always one great step that not many people do on the offset. Are they using up their connection invites on a weekly basis if they get a maximum of like 100? Are they doing that? You can import contacts from your from your Gmail or your, your Outlook um, as a batch upload. So you have 100, which is a limit that you can manually send. But you can upload, I think it's like 8,000 or something in a month contacts and then that will send those connection requests so you know you're maximizing out those opportunities and then when I do get a contact accept my request are they then sending a message you know what is the process that they're supposed to be following have you really laid that out for them um, so that's what I do with all my sort of SDRs that I work with um, there's, there's many ways you, you don't have to connect with people and you can still send them a direct message it's just knowing how to go about that um, that can really make people successful Got it. So one last thing that we could get into is LinkedIn. How how are you seeing your team leverage LinkedIn these days? Massively. It's it's since the pandemic, it's mm -hmm. been a you know turnover since calls have gone down, but LinkedIn responses have gone up. I find reaching out to CISOs and IT directors as as one of the harder markets with LinkedIn. Um, it's already hard with calls and emails because they have a PA or, you know, they don't take calls and yeah. their spam filters from security companies are, are so well, you know, it's hard yeah. for you to get a good email to them. You'll either get a bad email that will go through their spam filters or you put a really good email, but all the links and everything blocks it from getting to them in the first place. So it's a balance between they're going to read something that's not worthwhile or, or never read something at all. Um, so LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, we automate a lot now. Um, but as I mentioned with the groups, um, I, I train them on it as part of our induction um, because, you know, it's one thing of just being a LinkedIn user, um, but there's another about sort of being a LinkedIn expert. I try and make them. Um, and then Sales Navigator is above and beyond that. So even if you don't have Sales Navigator, you can still, you know, really maximize out your LinkedIn usage. But Sales Navigator is also it's a small investment, but a, a great return, I would say in being able to construct lists. Um, you know, I may not use those lists internally with LinkedIn, but I may upload my own information of accounts I want to target. Um, and then I will get to work. You'll see if people recently started a job role. That's always a great way to start because people like to make changes and they like to put their stamp on things. So if they've been in a job for less than a year, it might be worth actually reaching out to these people with a, hey, I noticed that you've only been doing this role for a certain amount of time. And we work with people who only recently became CISOs and, and they implemented these changes. We thought you could do something similar. You know, just something as easy as that um, can sometimes work with the right people. Yeah. Are there any other kind of LinkedIn sales navigator searches that you like outside of the new newly appointed to a role? So I think it's as, as finite you can make it. So if you start with your account filters and then you put on the revenue of that account um, and obviously the industry that account sits under, uh, and then you take those account lists and then I kind of build pivot tables myself in Excel um, to then put back into the lead 
filters and then you you search by those specific accounts based on say less than 1 million revenue and they work in a financial industry um, and then I'll find those specific lead roles I'm looking for and then I put them all into an excel sheet of the the, the, the lead lists I come up with so 51 to 200 and that gives me a certain amount of results and then 200 so I separate them all out and then I go through them all so I put them in the priority depending on however many filters results come back from that filter and also depending on what my targets are and where I want to specifically focus and learn my lessons along this journey before I even get to my main target accounts because I want to get some things right before I get there and when I do find things are working here I can start with those initial target accounts but yeah it's always making sure you're aware of which lead filters you've applied first so you don't miss any otherwise you're going to forget uh, and that's never a good thing yeah another one that I don't know if you've leveraged that I really like is a past employee of a current client that's kind of a cool little search that you could do I am aware of it because um, I, I do it for no longer at companies. So a lot of responses mm -hmm. you get, they no longer work here. And that creates two leads for me. One, I can speak to the current company and say I was speaking to this person and therefore I'd yeah. like to pick up that conversation with this new person who's taken that role and then go and find out if they've worked at another company that's still relevant to your market. So, yeah, I, I think but they're so far down on the priority list when you really want to target your, your current accounts that you're looking for as opposed yeah. to then those people that have moved companies, because it depends yeah. where they've moved to, to whether or not it's relevant to your current yeah. market. Yeah, you have to get your existing account list into there first yeah. and then yeah. cross. The, and it depends on how many accounts you're reaching out to and in the industry and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's been great, man. Is there anything else you'd leave us with in terms of intent data, making sure that we you know, really reach out in the proper way. And like, that's a big thing that I picked up from this is really looking at the buyer's journey and what's the story we're telling through our outreach and how are we finding hand raisers? I love that approach. Is there anything else you would share with us before you take off? Yeah, I think the, the main three objectives from any outreach program that I definitely operate is your first thing is your meetings. That's, that's always your number one, right? You want to convert into an opportunity, but your second thing is gaining Intel and recording that Intel. So Whatever it is, whether they work with a competitor, whether they're at a certain stage in decision making, whether they're interested in the future, finding out that intel and storing that somewhere in your CRM or if it has to be an Excel file, depending on the type of company. Um, and then the third case is, is brand awareness. You know, you've always done something. Ideally, you shared something about the brand. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always the three main objectives from any outbound. Um, and I think target your sequences, whether you use a platform like Outplay for a sequence or whether you use your own manual sequence and you're sending these emails that you have templates in Word. But make sure that that sequence is correct. This is my first email. This is my second email. You know, is it too hard hitting that first email or, or is it working? You know, are you seeing good responses to that or are you not? And if you're not, what can you change? Is it the subject line? Is it the wording? Is it an asset? You know, and maybe you need to reorder the way you do your sequences and, you know, what's your journey? What are you trying to get them to do? What, what signals are you trying to get from these people? Do you want them to attend something? Do you want them to download something? You know, ideally you want to book a meeting at the end goal, but how are you getting there? Sharing an asset and not booking a meeting. You don't want to carry on doing that. So share an asset, try and get them to attend a live event. Maybe you want to see if you've got enough attendees, you actually will put this live event on. And if you don't, Maybe you want to turn it into a more virtual event and see how many responses you get that way. 
or, or that verse you may do more virtual events um, and then see if people registered if they attended if they watched it for an hour if it's an hour long if they only watched it for half an hour and this gives you all these priorities of, of how to target these people um, as opposed to just targeting everybody in exactly the same way over and over again doing the same thing but expecting a different result I don't find to work very well Definition of insanity, as they say. <laughs> so uh, where can people go to connect with you? What do you, what do you got going on? Where can people follow you, connect with you, learn more about what you guys are doing at Media Effect? Uh, so I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's just Alex Austin, Media Effect. I'm sure you can type into the search. Um, again, another tip is if you just search for a name and a company name, you normally get one result back. It's very rare that you get two. Um, so yeah, Alexander Austin, Media Effect. Um, is, is a place to get me on LinkedIn. That was a fun one with Alex. Um, before you take off, I got a favor to ask of you. Uh, if you like this podcast and you enjoy listening to it, could you share it with one other person? So if you know another sales rep on your team, your sales manager, your boss, maybe someone you're trying to convince to prospect in this way, if you could just share the Spotify link, the iTunes link, Stitcher, whatever you're using to listen to this, if you could share it with them. That would be great. I really appreciate you for spending about an hour with me today and we'll see you in the next episode.